Hello, Ed. Hello, Chris. Scudder, how are you? <laughs> I'm all right, how are you? Morning, chaps. Happy birthday, uh, Chris. Oh, just Scudder's oh, yeah. birthday. Do you know what? I, I just forgot all about <laughs> oh, that. Oh, yeah. How, Look at uh, that. He texted yeah. me before and said, make sure you mention my birthday. Everybody else has forgotten. <laughs> I said, you're right, no worries. It's, uh, I'm, I'm 1,934 years old today. It's a historic moment. <laughs> I don't feel celebrate... a year of it, though. You're celebrating in Kazan, I understand. Is that right? I'm actually yeah, walking uh, up some steep cobbles up to the Kremlin oh. um, just to explain what's going on. Yeah. That's a bit of a long story, but I, I, at the end of the... Uh, I've been working at the World Cup and I, I, I went to Siberia and I've taken <laughs> the train back. I'm not... <laughs> How is that? Not joking. Uh, extraordinary, really. I mean, you're talking... I came through Yekaterinburg yesterday, which was the furthest east of the World Cup venues, you probably remember, which is about a thousand miles uh, east of Moscow. Um, mm. well, I've been another 3,000 miles further east than that, and, and, wow. and I still haven't been touching the sides, you know. <laughs> so um, it's interesting because you know, I was trying to find out really what sort of Russian people in that part of the country, and it's very different, it's the Asian part of, of Russia, yeah. what they've thought of the, of the football. I was in a place called Ulan Uday, which is um, north of Mongolia, effectively. But they've had the big screens up there. And, of course, they're five hours ahead of Moscow. So they were watching the games in the middle of the night. Yeah. Uh, and there were sort of certain bars where all the diehards. I saw a few, you know, I saw a Chelsea shirt and a Man City shirt, stuff like that. So it really does travel a long way. And, um, you know, it's the same country, but it feels like a different one, really. But, you know, the, the sort of language of football travels a hell of a long way, doesn't it? And uh, it's good to see. And I've got to say, I've just been traveling back now the last few days um, through endless taiga, they call it, T-A-I-G-A, which is kind of grass and trees and just a wilderness, complete wilderness, really, and, and rivers and, uh, you know, little towns along the way, along the Trans-Siberian Railway, where uh, the communities sort of gather. It's been there 100 years. Uh, absolutely fascinating. Really, really has been. And, uh, and everyone's been touched a bit by the football. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, especially as Russia did so well. Yeah. And, um, and here we are, and it's all over now. And I've just so so, so do, of... do those people all still feel Russian? Because the scale of that is phenomenal, isn't it? When you talk about 3,000 miles, I mean, that's more than yeah. getting to New York from London. what I'm going to do, Ed? I'm, just gonna, I, I'm with a, a, a gentleman who's a, who's a guide with me. He's called Vasily. He's, yeah. a, he's a terrific guy. <clears throat> and um, <laughs> he's, um, he, he's a historian. I'm just going to ask you, Vasily, and you can tell us what you think. What did... did, did, did um, did the World Cup unite Russia? We've just been in Siberia. Did, did, did the, all of the country come together to support the national team? Absolutely, absolutely. That's without any doubt. Yeah, because uh, the nation supported, and um, tell the truth, that was a fascinating result for Russian team. Yeah? No one expected that. So, and after all, after all, so I think the nation is satisfied. Yeah, and, and even further away than the obvious centres where there are football. We're in Kazan now. They've got a, a famous club here called Rubin, and they had. Uh, well, uh, they've got a, uh, had World Cup matches here as well. But further afield, did, did, did the people get in, get involved as well and feel very Russian, even in the Asian part of, of the country? Of course, of course. Uh, uh, and um, the people in Siberia and the far east, yeah, they supported the team the same. And I also, I uh, heard that the people uh, they had to watch the games in the middle of the night, and they still did it. So they did, and so I think, yeah, they uh, it's it, so uh, they didn't. Uh, um, they didn't think that it was a way. Yeah, this important. Of yeah. course. I was in Petersburg the night that, that Russia got knocked down. The atmosphere was just incredible. It really was. And uh, a great celebration. 
we just need a shelter because it started to rain. Ed, and we're going to go under a um, under a little archway. So that we can, uh, see. But uh, but but yeah, I mean, there was a real celebration at the end. I did, I, there was no angry words at all. I mean, I think they really felt that they they did their nation proud. Got to the to the quarterfinals. And and and, and Vasily, uh, who's my guide here as well, what, what does what did what did what does Putin think of it all? Do you think he he's he's made a bit of capital out of this, hasn't he? Of course, of course. I think he's satisfied. And now. I think that was uh, even a political problem for Putin, yeah, because he organized all this World Cup, uh, and then so the Russian team didn't play so well, yeah, to, to satisfy mm-hmm. the people. Just coming into the tournament, they were terribly out of form, weren't yeah, they? But they absolutely, really... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but then out of also, I, I don't know why, yeah, but it would work out, yeah, and uh, I think he's satisfied more than some other people. Yeah, we're about to get run over by a, a, a golf buggy which is coming through in our arches. So, uh, yeah. but what is the, what is the feeling there now, Chris? In terms of is there because in England there's almost the, and I felt that deflation of, of post World Cup blues just because it was such a compelling tournament for a month. Is there is there a feeling there that it's a kind of a hangover after the, the party, or are they still upbeat uh, and just uh, no, glad it happened? So. I think they're they're riding the the, the, the crest of it really. I mean. Um, as I said, I mean, they, they came into it with so little expectation. That's, that's England did, really, I think, if we're honest. And uh, yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I wonder what will happen to some of the stadiums. I mean, I was in, in Samara where England played uh, the Sweden game, wasn't it? And I was talking to some of the people there, and they, mm. they were very pleased to get the stadium. But by their own admission, uh, that, that's going to become a bit of a, a white elephant. That's a real shame. <laughs> That stadium is just going to rock pretty much, and we've seen it, you know, in, in previous Olympics. Because there's games no club, there's no club, there's no club there. No, there's not. I mean, it, that's right. I mean, it's you know, obviously we've got places like St. Petersburg and, and and where I am now in Kazan, they've got great stadiums for, for, for established European clubs. But some of the other places, uh, you, you do wonder what what will happen to them. But I think you know, uh, the Russians and, and Putin really just wanted to make a statement. And I've got to be honest. I mean, of all of all the, you know, I've been to this is my seventh World Cup. And this yeah. is right up there. Uh, the organisation has been terrific. I mean, the football, as we know, was fantastic. Um, the people embraced it. And, you know, OK, you know, there was this discussion about, you know, how did they get in the first place? But, you know, it's a big opportunity for Russia. And it's a country that a lot of people who I've been speaking to have come here and they have their, re- their eyes really opened by, you know, the potential for the place and the fact that it's changing so quickly um, after, you know, 1991, the end of the Soviet era. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just feels... As though it's yeah. going through a very fast change, and, and you, you know, and, and these cities are tr- tremendous. I was in Novosibirsk uh, yesterday in, in, in the capital of Siberia, and it was a vibrant place. A lot of young people, a uh, football team. I think they're in the Premier League in, in, in Russia. And they didn't have games there. You know, they were a long way further east of the furthest east venue for the tournament. So you know, um, yeah, there's a legacy. Uh, whether the people will, um, it's pouring rain here, by the way. Now. Um, you know, the, the, the Russian Premier League, of, of course, is, 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 is getting stronger. And, uh, you know, overall, when we look back on this, I, I'm sure we'll consider it's been a very successful World Cup. Hello. Can you hear me, guys? Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, loud, loud and clear. Loud oh, okay. and clear. Sorry, I, was enjoying, I was enjoying listening to Scuds, actually. I know, regaling us. That was, that was fantastic, actually. We'll just bring in Tom McDermott, then, um, our man in Manchester, journalist, just quickly to, to reflect on that. And I suppose... What Chris is saying there, Tom, was a sort of demystifying of Russia and the Russian people. It actually bizarrely made me think of um, the First World War when, um, it's a strange analogy, maybe when England's, uh, the English soldiers and German soldiers met in no man's land and played 
played football, it's it sort of unifying force of football to normalise people and to bring people together was not only the Russians, but everyone from around the world, which was really appealing and refreshing about the tournament. Did you feel that? It was I kind think of... so, yeah. I, I, th- I think so, yeah. I think there were um, sort of one of my sort of lasting memories will, will be what we heard before the tournament, pre-tournament, what, what to expect. Obviously, Skulls will get a far better feel having been out there. But, um, you know, sort of perceptions beforehand. And, and for me, uh, from an English point of view, it, it's a case of part one's done for Gareth Southgate. I think there are similarities in, in Russian expectation and, and English expectation. I don't yeah. think we expected a lot, but I think we came away with so much. He's reconnected the the sort of nation and not just football fans with international football. There's more of a warmth there, the way Southgate's conducted himself, very humble. Um, how he's interacted with the media as well, I think it's been 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 a vast improvement as well. But the, the, the challenge for me now is, is what happens next? Are we going to see enough young English players Mm-hmm. I don't just mean that some of the guys that that made up part of the, the the English squad, but some of the guys that are coming up through the ranks now are they going to be are they going to get enough football really before the next tournament? Maybe not so much for the for the Euros, but for the next World Cup in four years' time. And and what's how do we develop it? How do we take it on a, on the next stage? Because I think while we can reflect a, a great tournament and and the warmth, you know, that the, the sort of English people in a similar way to the Russian people feel, the next stage is to to maintain that and and to really improve. And I think that's the challenge for the FA. How do they how do they take that next step now? Is it getting to a semi-final again, or is it you know being more competitive, playing a different yeah. brand of football, and so on and so forth? So yeah. part one very much is done, but then it's just how we improve on this again. Because the last thing the FA and Dan Ashworth and and the team there will want is to take a step back now. Yeah, it's an interesting, really interesting. Well, it's an interesting comment, isn't it? Because I think for me, we've sort of we've we've enjoyed football for football's sake. So we didn't have any expectancy going in as as Englishmen, and that was why it was such a, a wonderful ride. And I guess. For me, it was the World Cup was also fun because there there wasn't money involved. Players were, you know, obviously get paid a little bit. I think a lot of it goes to charities, but it, they were there motivated by football and playing for their countries. But I suppose with that performance, Chris, there will be now an expectancy of a decent performance at Euro 2020. What do you what do you make of it and the, and the, and the realism of that, given given as Tom says, the the ability for these guys to play regularly in the Premier League every week. Yeah, I, and I think, you know, the, the players that have been here will play regularly now. I mean, they've established themselves, you know, the likes. I mean, let's, let's not forget, there was a handful of caps between a, a lot of these players. Um, and, you know, the likes of Harry Maguire and, you know, Trippier really did themselves a lot of good on, on this trip. You know, Lingard's young, Rashford. You know, I, you know, maybe, Tom, you can, you, can, you can chip in on this one. I mean, it would be a shame if he doesn't play more. Uh-huh. And United, but yeah. you know, what, what do you think? Is he going to is he going to leave or is he? Gonna... Um, I think it's a yeah, it's, it's a good question, isn't it? I think that a decision is going to have to be made on Rashford, if not this one window, then certainly in January. I think if it if it goes away uh, the way it did last season, where you know Lukaku is always going to be the main man down the you know centre forward on the left hand side, you can have somebody like Alexis yeah. Sanchez, which means that you know he's basically scrapping out with Juan Mata and Anthony Martial for one of those other attacking spots. Now, I think his stats from Christmas, again, off the top of my head, in terms of actually appearing in games, um, it looked quite good on paper. But if you actually yeah. look at how many starts he made, he didn't make that many yeah. starts. I, I think it was less than 10. And I think that that includes the sort of run at the end of the season when he uh, he filled in for Romelu Lukaku. So, I think yeah. players like him and also somebody like Ruben Loftus-Cheek as well, skills, you know, somebody yeah. like that, he's now going to go back to Chelsea. What does the the new managerial will set up there do with somebody like that because yeah. these guys have got to be playing they've got to be playing consistently I mean 
John Bowen well, said to me that it's all very well these guys playing, but they're not just going to play for, for, for teams like... Um, sorry, they're not going to just play in the Premier League. They've got to play at the top in the Premier League. So they've got to be playing every week yeah. for Manchester United in the league and in the Premier League. Because then when they get to these tournaments and they get to the latter stages and then they're coming up against Luka Modric, Rakitic, Perisic, etc., it's not going to be so much of a shock to them. You know, We have a, an idea in, in England where... You've got to be playing regularly for United, and if you're not playing regularly for United, you've got to go out on loan to Brighton or somewhere like that. Well, that's great, but then he doesn't necessarily solve the problem at mm. the latter stages of tournaments because the quality then is so much higher. Well, it might it might be a good ch- time for Loftus Cheek thinking of Chelsea, might it? Because if there is this exodus, if we look at the the diff- is it, and it's a slight difference, I think, in in, in appointing Maurizio Sarri, a guy that hasn't got a bag of trophies to his name. It seems like they're. They're, they're stabilising, they're looking at net income and things like that. Maybe Hazard leaves, maybe Courtois leaves, maybe there's a, a, a new freshness to it. And I suppose, Chris, for Chelsea as well, the more you watch the World Cup, there is a slight embarrassment again, isn't there, because of the players that have excelled that they've let go. Again, Lukaku and, and De Bruyne and, and people you look like at that. The top, yeah. yeah, the top three for Belgium, sorry yeah. to jump in there, could, could have played, you know, yeah. could be the top three for, for Chelsea, can't they? you got, was it De Bruyne, Hazard and Lukaku? Yes, yeah, and Salah as well. If you know, I mean, another yeah. man who could slip through the net there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Who I'd want, I'd want Loftus. You want, you want Loftus Cheek at club, wouldn't you? I think he showed enough in, in spells, his size, his skill, his, his athleticism to to warrant a Premier League top six club. Yeah, I, I don't think you. I, I think you think Tom's right. I'm not sure he'll be a regular starter. I mean, look at his career so far. I mean, he's, he's barely played really. Um, and it's a reflection of the fact that England don't have an awful lot to choose from, that he made the squad at all, really, if you think mm-hmm. about it. I mean, you look at the amount of games he played. I mean, in, in, in the past, he wouldn't have forced his way into the squad, I don't think, uh, in, you know, 20 years ago on the amount of football he played. But, you know, this is where we are. I mean, what's the percentage of English players in the Premier League? It's, what, 32 33%? Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Did, did, did that help in a way, Chris, in the simplicity of Gareth Southgate's squad? Because there was a sort of mild rumble about... Hart and Wilshire, but not really any contention, was there? Simply because of that fact you point out that he didn't have much to choose. I think it helped foster the team yeah. spirit. It helped yeah. the team spirit. Yeah, because... I think so. I think I think that you know the, the lads who who hadn't played much. I mean, it was a fantastic experience for them, and I, I felt it. You know, it brought it brought the whole the, the whole group together. Um, but you know, just to pursue that point. Listen, you know, Southgate has made the most of, and he's able, he's been able to do that because he, he knows that he's come through from the other twenty ones. I'm just a bit worried that, you know, the, 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 the under-20s, the under-19s and the under-18s really, you know, if you, if you measure England's success at, at age group level against other nations in the world, it's, you know, it's outstanding, really. Yeah. You know, similar, perhaps, to what we saw in the past from Spain and France before that. One last what last night, happened, didn't they, yeah? Look, Again, look what happened to them. So, you know, um, it's a quandary, um, you know, France has never had a. I was making a point yesterday, actually, that that, that France, uh, Le Bleu, is the is the epitome in that country because the club scene in France. Let's face it, you know, there's no there's mm-hmm. no great route, there's no great community thing that you get in England. I mean, I, you 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 come to to foreign countries and to World Cups, and you what is it that England exports better than anybody else? It's club football. It's club yeah. football. You see the flags, you see them everywhere. You see every name under the sun. And it's the envy of the world, really. Uh, but, but that, you know, it's, it, we're talking international football and France cannot match the, the, the club yeah. uh, community thing that, in, that, that England has. And yet their national team 
is the apex. And look yeah. what they've done. They've won the World so- Cup twice. They've won the Europeans as well. And, and as long as, you know, the, the Premier League does rule, really, you, you do wonder whether Gareth Southgate but- is going to be up against it and whether these young kids from the age groups are going to get the football that they, they need to, to thrive. Maybe, you know, like Harry Kane and like the others, they'll go on loan somewhere. Let's hope that happens and at least they'll get to play. Um, because, you know, if they don't, then, you know, the, 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 the great promise from St. George's Park is not going to come to fruition. I tell you what, from my perspective, boys, it is a, it is a complex argument simply because of the history of it. Other than 1966 and uh, Italian 90, England haven't excelled at a World Cup or a major tournament. So you can start to think, well, is it the Premier League or is, it, is the Premier League almost uh, an irrelevance and it's something to do with just producing English players, English managers that can, that can hold their own on the, on the big stage? I think Which to a certain extent... Help. <clears throat> no, I think to a certain extent the FA have lost control mm. of English, the senior English football team in terms of they can't go to Premier League teams and say... Can you play X, Y, yeah. and Z? Who are English lads in your starting eleven? But this, this was a, this was a, this sort of equal second best ever run, run wasn't it? <laughs> Which is, yeah. do you know what I mean? I'm just saying that yeah. pre Premier League yeah. there wasn't much of a history of success for England, and I don't mean that in a in a wholly negative way. I mean I just think that France have, have certainly cottoned onto something, and it's not the league; it's the, it's the production line, right? Of um, incredible incredible talent that people like Martial left out of the squad and. Three World Cup finals out of six, is it, France? If you look at it in that That's way, right, and a yeah. couple of Euro yeah. finals as well. It's quite an incredible. Um, but you know, they, remember, yeah, before Claire Fontaine, they were like England. They struggled really, and then they had that. You know, England has got now with St George's Park. There's no doubt about it. They've got the same facility and they've got that same system now that that can um, take England through to a successful future. Uh, but you know, the, the, the French players all go and play abroad pretty much. Um, you, know, yeah. you, you do need to have your players playing. That, that is absolutely crucial. And Gareth Southgate would, 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 would tell you that. So, uh, interesting. Harry Maguire was at Gainsborough Trinity Chesterfield last night, wasn't he? Watching his brothers play, Joe really? and Lawrence, who play, who play lower down the pyramid. So that was good. Yeah. For, it boosted the gate massively in Gainsborough, which was, um, yeah. which was Gentlemen, good Gentlemen, I've, 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 I've got a dash now from uh, Rainy <laughs> Kazan. Um, uh, I'm just going to say, uh, just let Vasily, who's, who's uh, patiently waiting alongside me here, to say, uh, good man. What, have you, what have you thought of all the foreign people here in, uh, in your country over the last few weeks? So, uh, I, I think that, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. We'll see all these guests here, yeah. I think that was a sort of breakthrough for all of us because uh, lots of visitors all over the world. Yeah, and that was very interesting meeting. Yeah, and just tell us, we, we discussed this yesterday on the train coming through Siberia. Um, tell us how you think Russia is changing because I've, I've noticed, I mean, I've been very surprised and very, you know, it's, it's, uh, to me it feels like it's this the drop in the ocean that could be, really be a very successful country in years to come. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely agree with that. I think Russia is changing right now, changing dramatically. Yeah, we'll see what the future brings. Yeah, but I think Russia isn't the same as in the 90s. Yeah, well, that's the different country. Yeah? And so that R- Russia is the country of uh, very dramatic turns in the history. And so let us let us see what what we'll have here in uh, 10 or 20 years. Yeah, thanks, Vasily. Let will just tell you guys just a little bit of a, a context. Um, Nelson Mandela would have been 100 years to, uh, old today. Wow. Uh, yesterday was the 100th anniversary of the death of the last Tsar, Nicholas and Alexandra. You know the famous story yep. of the family that yep. killed by the yep. Bolsheviks. And we were in that church yesterday. It was a great coincidence that we came through on that day. And I tell you, there was a lot of, there was a lot of pride and a lot of, you know, it's a different world. I mean, the, 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 that world to the Soviet Russia is, is just, you know, you, you can't even compare. But that, that, the Soviet era is gone now. Russia's growing economically. The people are, feel free. They feel happy. 
And, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it, was, it was quite emotional to, to see the people's reaction to that, 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 that 100-year anniversary. And it brought a lot of things home, really, and a lot, brought a lot into context. And, you know, um, I, I feel uh, that, you know, down the, down the line, whether Russia's football team will be very successful, <laughs> I don't know. But, but, but it's been a, a fantastic experience. One of the best World Cups, I, I, without a doubt. I mean, it's certainly the, the quality of the football, uh, the hospitality, the stadiums have been absolutely fantastic. And I'm sure uh, certain Mr. Putin's going to be smiling very widely today. Yeah, it certainly is. It's had a lovely week with Donald Trump as well. Um, Scuds, it's been, a, it's been an absolute pleasure. I think you've got, Cheers, you've, got tra- you've got a travel program in you coming up, like Marco Portillo style something trains like that, in yeah. Russia, something like that would be fantastic. But yeah. you painted a beautiful picture. Appreciate it, mate. Yeah. Um, you come Have a good day, soon. Chris. Yep, All right, take, take care, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> that's, that's great. He's got a personal travel guide fantastic, out there, Tom, that. which is uh, yeah, amazing. Yeah, I, don't know, yeah, uh, I don't know how he's met him, but... <laughs> There's a bodyguard or a travel guide, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, um, that's right. But... but um, it's it's interesting it's reflecting on what we talked about because it, it was back to back defeats, wasn't it? At the end for England, and it was a sort of deflating end to to the euphoria before it. Yes. But I just wonder what you think because there's so many ways to look at it, isn't there? Because people say, "Oh, the draw opened up, and England didn't have to face mm. the powerhouses." But then within that, the powerhouses weren't really power powerhouses on this occasion, were they? Because you looked at Argentina were poor, Germany were yep. poor, and that's you know that's what has to be put in context. And it's the best ever. Belgium team, arguably, wasn't it? It's was better than the 86 team, I think, in terms of um, you know what they achieved and also probably the talent on show. I can't remember a Belgium team having that much talent no. uh, throughout. France no. team, arguably, even better than the 98 team, um, all things considered. Uh, you know, Vieira hadn't made that 98 team yet. He was still young, so it probably wasn't as rounded as, as this one. So what do you think? Because yeah. the question is now, going forward, is do you feel that... Uh, those powerhouses will come back or will there be another opportunity? Is it just a change? Because I can't see Argentina coming back too soon. <clears throat> no, I think I agree with you. There's a lot, a lot of things coming to play. I've, I've looked at, mentioned Argentina there. Back over past Argentina squads. And sometimes it, it comes down to the manager you have in place as well. There are different elements to take into consideration. There's luck. England, you could argue, had a bit of luck with the side of the draw they were in. They could have a better team. Yeah, far better team in two or four years' time. But... You know what? We might get drawn against uh, Brazil in the yeah in the in the last and they played well against Belgium, and, you know, and get and get knocked yeah. out. You know, so it's sort of circumstance. You know, four years time is a long way away. You know, something. You know, Gareth Southgate. Hope he doesn't might have a disastrous Euros. His position might be in in jeopardy. I hope it isn't. But you, you know, something might change for England. It's the same with the nation. So it's very very hard to predict ahead. But I think it's important for England to maintain a flow of um, players progressing, as, as we mentioned on before, English players to be playing at the highest level. I think that's the challenge of the yeah. FA. How they become a louder voice around the table um, with the Premier League teams. And I think it all comes back, back down to getting a share of, of more of the television money, really, so it filters through to grassroots, because the better grassroots players you yeah. get, the more players that are coming through. Um, I noticed a, a report or, or an article from, from Dan Rowe and the BBC uh, this morning, talking about the importance of grassroots football uh, across the country, and I think that that's what that's what we need to focus on. In order for the, the better the grassroots facilities, the better players are going to be, the more likely coaches are going to be attracted to playing the game. Yeah, um, and well, the better chance they have got of getting through to, through to you know playing for the England season. Well, yeah, you're involved, obviously. You do grassroots coaching, and your, your kids are as well. And I just I just wonder what um, the situation is now in terms of structure. It almost seems. Speaking to Danny Mills, a former England right back, was talking about his kid being in the system now, trying to make it as a professional, how yep. difficult it is, but how, how kind of, in a way, serious it is that they go to academies early, the, the brightest talents. Is it overly serious? Because what part of that World Cup was just a joy of football, wasn't it? And is it a sense that maybe yeah. 
we're ruling kids out that are late developers that are kind of just playing for fun on a Sunday, a Saturday, whatever it might be, and maybe maybe looking to that a little bit more. I, th- I think the academies are, are are an excellent the, the setup and and the facilities they've got for making from you know t- turning the, the the young men into fine people um, off the pitch as well. Psycho- psychology certainly considered by coaches at a very young age as well, and and I don't mean sitting them down and and you know trying to you know get into the mind of, of these children. I mean that they are aware of the benefits psychology can bring. So little things like that, I think that's that's very helpful. But I think that, oh, aside from that, the grassroots game, it's a mixed bag. It's very much like anything else. You've got a lot of willing parents who who perhaps aren't interested in football who are doing yeah. it and, and, you know, putting their hand up to help out because they want their child to get a game uh, at the weekend and there's not enough coaches. Whereas you get coaches who are are more committed and, you know, have a, a greater understanding of the game. So I think the grassroots is the key. The grassroots before the academy is the key because... Like I say, the better the coaching is, the more understanding the players have and the better facilities. Yeah. The more you want to going to do it. It's like anything if you turn up at cricket or squash or badminton or rugby and you're you're a, you're a boy or a girl of a certain age and the facilities aren't right, it's going to put you off. And that, yeah, the, the, it's going to put you off. What's interesting, I was at work when England were playing Colombia. I think it was Colombia. And I, yeah. like, my wife FaceTimed me and my daughter had gone out. She's three years old, gone out into the garden. And was booting a ball around right. against the wall because yeah. because they've been watching the football. And that, for me, you, you mentioned what does the FA offer in terms of England, the Premier League. Well, we look back mm. at Italian ninety, and that was seen as a catalyst for the country falling in love mm. with the game again, wasn't it? Which then laid the tracks for mm. the Premier League and the, and the glitz and the and the sort of drama and the riches that followed from then. I just wonder if there was a little bit of that this time because I don't know if you felt that way that. It is, it is an unadulterated show of football, really, isn't it? We don't talk uh, about wages, we don't talk about transfer fees, we don't talk about what yeah. where clubs want to be, because or where players want to be, sorry, because they want to be there just playing the game for their country. I think that was refreshing. I, I think so. Yeah, they're seen as lots of, lots, lots of enjoyment attached, attached to the game, a lot, a lots of, of different people and different cultures watching it, enjoying it, and all, do you know what? They're all, at the end of the day, ultimately watching a white ball being kicked yeah. out, or an orange ball, or a black ball, whatever, whichever bloody colour they are now, but they're watching a ball being kicked down the field, and you're right, there's no talk about transfer fees, or how much this player's going to get, or why isn't he playing, and the only negative, I will say actually for him, I don't know if he, you know, if you're going three, but my boys had a big six and four. They were looking at the diving. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's poor. And and I think that that's that's a you know maybe one negative aspect from from a youth point of view that people have picked up because I have seen that at, at coaching and on the six team that you know one or two lads have taken a little tumble and you know I'm going to go over concerned and they almost see it as part of the game now. But in terms of general encouragement and people playing the, the World Cup has had an absolutely fantastic impact for, for, for boys and girls in the country. There's more people turning up to the sessions that we put on um, up, up here in Manchester. There's more people um, signing up and wanting to be coaches because I think of the World Cup as well. We had a, I'm on the committee and an email went around last night and there was four or five, I think. No, sorry, four. Yeah, five people wanted to to coach and, and six other people Brilliant. expressed an interest in it. So it's definitely, you know, that I don't think that's a coincidence yeah. that after the world before the World Cup, these teams were set up and there was, you know, what we had last year, we we're gonna go with again. But then I think since the World Cup people have seen that and all of a sudden there's been a surge in interest from from parents as well. So it's definitely, you know, you just look at it like that, and that'll be the same around the country, I guess. You know, you look at it like that and you think actually something has happened. I just, like I said, hope we don't lose that momentum. Of course, you can't play international football all year round, but I think if you rewind 12 months ago, even myself, I'll be the first to admit it, I saw the international break as a, 
I don't know, like an unwanted distraction almost. <laughs> it, it disrupted the flow of the Premier League, especially yeah. in September. Um, but I hope now that with this introduction of the Nations League and, and the kind of standard improving within that, that people can, you know, the momentum continues and we go into the Euros with that good feeling. Yeah, it's as well. interesting that England come up against Spain, don't they? This um, Nations League. Of... Is that the first yeah, game? Spain, yeah, Spain's yeah. first game. I think it's about 45, 50 days from now or something like that. I think. So they're reinvigorated with Luis Enrique as well. Yes, yeah, they are. It's interesting that I didn't, re- didn't realise the stories emerging yesterday that Rafael Benitez had the opportunity to kind of. Um, caretaker managed them and apparently Newcastle were open to that over the summer but didn't get it sorted before Iero right. was given it ultimately and maybe that cost Spain but they're going to play Spain they're going to play Croatia a couple of times so it's another yardstick but looking quickly before we finish that Euro 2020 landscape we mentioned the teams we mentioned Germany yeah. I mean France look head and shoulders above don't they I, mean, I, feel, I, I think Spain is yeah. ticky-tacker run its course if you don't have a, a lethal striker on the end of it it's I th- yeah, it's it's good. I think the um, the French is um, a more purposeful and physical way of playing. Yeah. Um, of course, they've got the skill and the pace, but I think you saw there was certainly a period in that first half. Uh, I remember watching the Cup, World Cup final with with my dad, and I, and I said to him, "Blimey, Croatia looked fantastic here." I, you know, I think when Perisic scored around that kind of period, the equaliser, I thought Croatia could do this. Yeah. But they just found a way, didn't they, France, of playing? Whereas if you compare that to France. Uh, so I beg your pardon, Spain, who got knocked out in the group, plenty of possession, but not a lot of end product, not a lot of creativity, not a lot of, or as much one touch play in that final third that maybe Spanish teams or success, certainly the, the, the successful Sp- Spanish team over that eight year period or whatever it was yeah. um, a few years ago, they had that ticker tack of football with a purpose. Yeah. So it was interesting actually because one of the examples that I, I'm going to follow over the next couple of years of how they respond is Germany because mm. I think when they got to the World Cup final was it 2006 or Six, was it, it 2002 they a good well 2002 they go all the way did they two, and then they got their yeah, yeah. 2002 yeah. they got to the, the World Cup final but they recognised that the structure within Germany wasn't to the standard they liked so they they, they kind of I won't say disregarded it but they looked at it and thought we need to make massive improvements here and they took the Spanish sort of tactical side of the game yeah but introduced a far more physical approach to that. And obviously, we see we saw that with the World well, Cup before this. And 06 on home it, soil it, was their sort of coming of, that sort of first seed, that's, that's seed, right, seeds yeah. of that. That's of that, right. Of that, yeah. So now you'd think, wouldn't you, that we are slightly, would you say we're slightly ahead of them in terms of our development this time? In terms of where they were in 2006 or in terms of in in terms 2002? In terms of where they are now, where we are. Yeah, I mean, I think it's you interesting. Know, you'd say they're behind us. So, yeah, so I think it'd be a good way that maybe, you know, if we have a chat before the next World Cup and say, look, this is where England were four years ago. The Germans had a, a disastrous tournament. Yeah. Where are we now? Because they always, you always get something with the Germans. You always feel even before this tournament, you thought they could win it. They well, could will, win, will, will, will Love still be there? That's the interesting one, isn't it? Because I just feel that it, I, not taking Sané when you looked at it, no left footers, no pace in that team. It was a curious one. In it's remarkable, really. Yeah. Remarkable that you, you know, you mentioned before people that were left out. I think that that'll come. That that, well, that you know that was clearly an error, but. Um, yeah, it's um, very much to look forward now, isn't it, Ed? And, and, and the Premier League season, you know, the, the Championship and, you know, the other leagues and things. And yeah, the transfer window is, yeah. seems to have taken over, doesn't it? I know. Well, it's a bizarre one. It finishes, what, on a Thursday? Thursday, 9th of August, 5 o'clock, 5 p.m. in the afternoon. So it's going to be interesting when it worked for me at, at Sky Sports News watching, watching any that th- all develop. Any thoughts? Any thoughts ahead of the, the season, the Premier League in particular? What we... I think Chelsea's a City, City still the, the team to catch? Yeah, the, the interesting thing about Chelsea. Uh, 
dramatically affected by the World Cup, aren't they? Because so many players went deep. You wonder, you, you wonder if they'll hit the ground running. And maybe that first Sunday Arsenal away, Unai Emery's first home game, could be interesting. If, if City lost that, it would be a, a galvanising effect for the, the rest of the league, wouldn't it, to give them a chance? What you wanted, I suppose, I think someone was laying it out last night on Talk Sport when I was driving home after a late shift, was just simply saying what you hope is that City are 10 points worse off than last season and someone else yeah. can find 10 points from somewhere to, yeah. to make it make it a closer race, which is feasible, right? If City go deep in the Champions League, if they have a slow start. Of course start. yeah. Because, they, because the last two seasons, they've, they've ignited the first 10 games, haven't they? And that's all taken them out of, yeah. out of reach, really. Um, so, I mean, I think it's, it's an interesting... I think maybe Arsenal look a bit focused, a bit energised. Unai Emery's, from a media perspective, interesting that he's putting out a lot of social media stuff for training sessions and his involvement yeah. with the players is behind the scenes feel there. I thought just a quick quick one that that aside actually from Arsene Wenger that sort of note about him regretting staying 22 years and those comments from a, mm, a French radio interview was quite quite sad actually to say that he'd, he'd cost him so many family relationships and things like that um, so mm. it's obviously it does take its toll that you can see why managers like Conte do you know kind of burn bright and short and move on because it's not it's not long term a, a kind of maybe a healthy uh, healthy addiction to to be so close to it. Uh, Chelsea, I think, is fascinating, isn't it? Because I think there's so much flux potentially there. I think if they are committed, and we still have the, the background of Abramovich's visa issues, is he committed to the club? Can he physically be mm-hmm. in the country very much? Um, yeah. If at all, I think if they are looking at a net profit each year, it's tricky with their stadium and with the relative lack of, of, of merchandise and, and sales revenue, I suppose, so compared to Manchester United and Arsenal. Um, and then United, I guess... You just hope after the World Cup, I don't know about you, but from a Manchester United supporter's perspective, that, that Jose's in an upbeat mood because you, you feel like you want that, don't you? you don't want, we don't want cynicism or, or, or sourness after, after the World Cup. It's the summer. third year, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, and you mentioned starting there for for, for City and, and Arsenal, but, you know, for our beloved United, it's probably just as important that he gets out of the blocks quickly because, you know, if he's got to chase City and... We didn't mention Liverpool there, which no, is hard for the United supporter. Liverpool are, are, are a concern. You know, you, they, you had a team there, Jurgen Klopp, who, who took to the Champions League final. And then since that, obviously, we knew about Cater, but he's introduced Fabinho. And it looks like they're going to add a goalkeeper there as well. So, real intent, isn't it? As you yeah, see, you can I, see his, his plan is, is kind of materialising, Klopp. Yeah, I think so. And then the, the, his best bit of business was arguably. Getting um, Van Dijk in last yeah. January, you know, as well. So there's a there's a spine and a, a, a lot more quality around Salah, um, you know, than perhaps there was last season already. And you know, there's still a couple of weeks of the window and, and, to go. And Salah missing the World Cup helps Liverpool, doesn't it? Because you mentioned Manchester City players like Vincent Company, De Bruyne, um, a kind of a raft of players across the top teams. Gabriel Jesus went relatively deep with Brazil as well. That you know potentially. Yeah. Liverpool could have it, have a talisman in Salah and, and, and Mane went out relatively early as well and uh, Firmino didn't play that much for Brazil either so you've got their front three possibly could you're, you're worrying me even more now yeah <laughs> but it's true though because you've got to look at that it's realistic right they're going to have a couple of weeks off a lot of these players and they're going to come back and not be ready for United kick off August the 10th don't they Friday night game so it's, yeah. it's, it's coming it's coming up on the rails pretty fast thick and fast I think the um Speaking to a couple of German journalists, I think that one of Klopp's things Klopp said was that before he moved to England, looking at this sort of intense Christmas period, he said that they looked to it, they were quite entertained by it, but actually sort of living it, so to speak, and mm. having to organise training and playing around. He said it's so difficult, and unless you're in it, it's hard to understand. I yeah. just feel that this year, with that in mind, that 
I don't know, will he maybe prioritise the FA Cup, sorry, the Premier League and the Champions League slightly more and play a lesser team in the FA Cup and League Cup and, and just yeah. just go for those two main tournaments? It's pr- there's a bit, a bit of pressure because... though as well, isn't there? Because it's October 2015 he took over, so coming up three years, so I suppose well, he will want to win that, something. Yeah, I don't think... Um, They'll ever have a better chance. I think there's, you know, there's still a bit of uncertainty at Chelsea. City is City. Then, but having said that, they beat them twice in the Champions League last year. Yeah, and the, and the league as well. Um, in the, yeah, in the, the first team to beat them, so they'll, they they might fancy that. Um, Mourinho, as we mentioned, the dreaded third season syndrome. You know, are we going to have a, a problem there? And you know. Spurs are always up there, aren't they? They seem to do very little in the transfer window, and then all of a sudden, you know, last minute they bring in somebody like Lucas Moura or um, Davison Sanchez or somebody like that. Well, and, you know, it, they... Yeah, it's perverse, isn't it? Because as a Man United fan, you don't really want Tottenham to win anything, but as an England fan, you do because that's the that's the. I think that would massively help the English team because so many Tottenham players involved in it. So, yeah. um, Ali and Kane chiefly, you know, if they were to win a, a big trophy, I think would would help England in, in the big tournaments for sure. But Tom, been a pleasure, mate. It's been a good chat this morning, hasn't it? We've had, no, um, thank you. No, we've covered, covered, covered a lot, haven't we? Yeah, it's been good. We'll catch up. We'll catch up soon. Should be more general, general football chat. Yeah, I think so. We've got um, give, give the listeners a break, but um, certainly <laughs> week leading up, certainly leading, leading up to uh, the Premier League season and um, when Scuds is um, you know wandering around St Andrews rather than um, yeah wherever he was today, it might be a bit, a bit easier with him as well. But yeah, no, uh, enjoy this summer. Thank you very much. It's been, been good. Been a- it has been a good summer, hasn't it, for football? It's kind of like, say, we reconnected with the, the eight, nine-year-old boy insider from the Italian 90 World Cup. And Absolutely. Kind of, yeah, f- fell in love with it all again. Cheers, uh, Tom. Speak to you soon. Cheers, Ed. Take care.